thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. If you're connecting online with us, then you are really welcome. If you're connecting in one of our locations, I want to give you a special warm welcome. And if you're here in the room, then you are always welcome to be with us. If we've not met before, let me just quickly introduce myself to you. My name is Adam, and like Andy said, I get the real privilege of being one of the pastors of the church here. But I also get the privilege of leading our Rowley Regis location. So if you're in Rowley this morning, I want to give you a special shout out and a welcome. I hope John Cochlin is looking after you. Um, I'm sure that he is. But I want to start by asking us all a question. Have you ever felt uncertain or anxious about yourself? Have you ever felt unsure? Have you ever felt insecurity? Have you ever felt like you've been in a place where you feel like you've been threatened or there's a, a time of danger coming? And if you have felt one of those things at some point in your life, then do not worry. Because around about 95% of the British population have also felt insecurity at some point in their life. It happens to the best of us, doesn't it? Despite your family background, despite your upbringing, despite your expertise, maybe your wealth, or even the way you look, you will all feel at some point insecure. And it always happens, doesn't it, at the most inopportune of moments. Like you feel like you don't belong there. That someone's going to expose you for what you truly are an imposter, a fraud destined to fail. You know, the imposter syndrome, which we're talking about today, is loosely defined as this. Oh, sorry, no, that's the wrong thing. Doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. That was me, I got a bit ahead of myself there, you see. See, the troubling part is, it's the timing of it all, you see. Just when you need to feel confident and secure, your self-doubt takes over. It might be just before that interview. It might be just before you come on a platform and preach. It could be before you go on that date that you've longed for. And whenever it is, it could be even, like simply the other day, someone asked me a question in Lidl, and I just froze, and I was like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Whenever it is, we all feel like we are a bit of a fraud at times, and it overwhelms us, and then this inner monologue of self-doubt takes over. You know, as broken people, we carry our fears and our insecurities and our inadequacies into everything we do. This is made worse when we seek to compensate, cope and cover up with these weaknesses away from God. You see, I believe this, that God sees our not enough and he makes them more than enough. And I think he sees these things that we're frightened of and he kind of goes... Okay, that's the thing that I'm going to use as your strength. I'm going to take that weakness, that crutch, and I'm actually going to make it a strength for you. 
You know, the great explorer, Bear Grylls. Now, he's not frightened of anything, is he? I don't know if you've ever watched any of his stuff. Me and, me and my boys, we like to watch um, something on Netflix. I can't even think it was what his title of the show is. But you can decide what he does. So you can decide if he jumps off a cliff or if he eats a spider and stuff. And it's loads of fun. I mean, that guy is not fearful of anything. And when asked about his faith, someone said, isn't that a weakness of yours? And this was his response. Is my faith a crutch? Maybe. But what does a crutch do? It helps you stand and makes you stronger. So yes, when I face overwhelming odds, I need a bit of that. And when I look at my own heroes, like my late father or Nelson Mandela, I realize there aren't many of them who haven't at some point quietly bent the knee and looked outside of themselves for strength and resolve and peace. You know, this series is all about looking at timeless truths from the Bible. And this thing, insecurity or the imposter syndrome, isn't something that we've just kind of made up in the last 20 or 30 years. This is a people issue, people of faith and people of no faith. This is something that we've all struggled with throughout the centuries. And the character we're looking at today, Moses, is somebody who has massively struggled with the imposter syndrome. But I want us to kind of go back in his history a little bit. So I'm going to paraphrase it because he has quite an interesting story. But I'm going to paraphrase it and let you know if you don't know about Moses. See, Moses was born a Hebrew, an Israelite, in a time of genocide, into an empire of Egypt. So he was born as a slave. And the Egyptian pharaoh, the king of Egypt, kind of felt like he was getting worried that the Israelites were producing too many males and that they were going to overthrow the throne. So he decided that he was going to kill every newborn male. And Moses fell into that bracket, obviously. But Moses' mother, she was kind of wise and smart, and so she hid him for a while. But until she could no longer hide him, she, put, she made this little basket out of reeds, and she sent him down the Nile, hoping that someone would find him and hide him. And it just so happened that the royal family found him, and the royal family adopted him into their family, and he was brought up as an Egyptian prince. It's an amazing story, and you can read all about it in Exodus 2. You see, Moses was brought up as an Egyptian prince, so he would have known all about their ways of war, the ways of like politics, how to do things, how to operate, but he knew that he was different. He knew that he was an Israelite at heart. And by the age of 25, scholars reckon that he was out and about in the kingdom doing some official duties, looking at what the Israelites were producing, and there he started seeing the injustice of the Israelite people. He started seeing their affliction and what the Egyptians were doing to him, or doing to them, sorry. And so he started to feel this sense of injustice. And roughly around the age of 25, he could take it no longer. One day he saw this Egyptian beating an Israelite so badly that he thought, I'm going to step in here. And so the Bible says that he actually looked around to make sure that no one else was looking. And then he struck the Egyptian and killed him. And he thought he got away with it. He kind of thought, well, no one's seen that. I've got away with that one. Yes, one upon me. But the next day, the Bible says he was out again on an inspection and sees two Hebrews, two Israelites, fighting. And he's like, this isn't right. I'm going to mediate between them. So he goes to mediate between them. And this is what one of them responds to him. Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? All of a sudden, the confidence of who Moses felt that he was sort of melted away in an instant. And he was overwhelmed by this feeling of being a fraud and an imposter. Someone had discovered his secret. And if they discovered his secret, it wouldn't be long before everybody else, including Pharaoh, would discover it too. And so at that point, he decides, instead of facing up to it and dealing with it, he decides to run away. How many times do we run away from situations rather than dealing with them head on? 
And so what he does is he runs away, and he runs away to a desert place called Midian. And there he settles and becomes quite comfortable. He marries, he has a family, he becomes a shepherd, and his life is all about roaming this desert for the next 40 years, looking for pastures for his flock. And this is where Moses enters imposter level one, the comfortable life. And I think we've all been there. You see, Moses is living his best life. No one's challenging him. He's enjoying it. He's looking for these pastures. He's finding them. He's chilling. It's it's kind of cool, really. No one's bothering him. Until one day, he notices something out the corner of his eye, and he thinks, hmm, that's weird, a bush that's burning. Now, you know, the bush itself burning wasn't the phenomenon, because actually in the desert, this would often happen because of the heat of the sun. But what would happen is that the bushes would burn out. But this bush, it kept on burning, and burning, and burning, and burning, and he couldn't understand it. And so he went over to inspect it. And that's where we hear the interaction that he has with God earlier on. You see, when we get comfortable, we can become complacent and not notice the things that God is doing in the place around us. And I think that that is a key for us. You see, when we become comfortable, we become complacent in who we are. We start operating out of a place of our head rather than just our head and our heart connected. For instance, I wonder how many times Moses had walked past that place and ignored that bush. Like, he probably was meandering up and down for 40 years, just kind of going, doo-doo-doo, oh, there was a bush there. Oh, there was another bush there. Oh, there was a bush there. Not realizing how significant that bush was and that place was to become. You know, like me and you, I can feel that we often find ourselves in the place that God is doing a great work, but completely miss it because we're not looking for what he's doing We're more concerned about us and our comfort and our joy and all about us, me, 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 rather than what is going on around us and the need around us. So God's kind of tried to get Moses' attention and it hasn't worked, I think, in the conventional way. So I think he goes unconventional and he starts speaking to him through a bush. Now, I don't think, if you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian and you're not sure about how you can hear from God, I don't think it's a normal thing for him to be talking to us through bushes. I'm not saying he can't, but I think his normal way that he communicates to us is through his word, which is the Bible, and through prayer when we commune with him. That's a pretty normal way. That's like how people would normally communicate through letters, texts, or through talking. But in this case, Moses has been ignoring God for quite a while, so God decides he's going to talk to him through this burning bush. And even then, he has to call him twice. He has to say, Moses, Moses. And then he goes, here I am. And and so he says, here I am. And God responds, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing. It's holy ground. I've got a question. Why is that desert, that barren desert, a holy ground? I mean, he's been in it for 40 years, hasn't he? He's been walking around. There's nothing special there. That's not the place you lead your flock to. It's the place you lead your flock from to find a drink. What makes that place so special? What makes that place so holy? Well, I think the answer is pretty simple. It's God's presence. You see, God's presence gives ordinary places, ordinary circumstances, and ordinary people an extraordinary status. And if God has brought you to this place today, if you this morning felt God's presence when we were worshipping, maybe when we're unlocking the word today, when I'm preaching, whenever it is, can I encourage you to embrace that? Can I encourage you to lean into it? That's a very Christian turn to say, lean into something. What it kind of means is to sit in it, allow it to happen around you. 
to hold on to that moment for as long as you can. Because what he wants to do is take your, your ordinary and change it into something extraordinary. You see, the place we stand is holy ground. Not because of anything that we do, not because of anything we produce, but because of his presence amongst us. And if we don't do that, we will start operating in, in imposter level two, which is the fraud. And we've all been a fraud, felt like a fraud at one time or another. A few years ago, uh, I got appointed as the uh, club chaplain of the Kidderminster Harriers. Yes, that famous team that nearly beat West Ham in the FA Cup uh, and are doing great in the National League North. Come on. Um, I got appointed as that, uh, the club chaplain. And I remember being appointed and they said, oh, here's your, here's your staff uniform. So here's like, what the coach and staff wear. You can wear that. Just come on match day. You can go wherever you want. It's access all areas. You're welcome in the boardroom. Go in the changing rooms if you want. It's your club. We, we give you access all areas anytime you want it. So I was like, all right then. I hear they do free food in the boardroom on match days. I'm off there. Often my stomach leads me. So I kind of started walking through, introducing myself to a few people. Yeah, I'm the new chaplain. All right, I'm Chappers. Yeah, cool, cool. Got to the boardroom, really confident, knocked on the door. This little person opened... I shouldn't say that. This person opened the door. (laughs) That's a shocker, isn't it? This person opened the door and said to me, yeah... Can we help you? After looking me up and down, I said, yeah, I'm the chaplain, club chaplain. They said I could come in here, and they just looked me up and down and were like, not today, you can't dress like that. And kind of closed the door on me, and I, I felt like the world had, like, was going to eat me up. I was like, oh, man, I've made a huge mistake here. I've clearly misheard them. I'm not welcome there. I'm an imposter. Who am I to be walking around thinking I have access or areas? So I, I kind of took myself off to the stand, and I was sat there for a little bit thinking, Maybe I should go home. Maybe I've read this wrong. And the chairman came out to me, and he brought me a cup of tea, and he sat me down. He said, Ad, I'm really sorry. I I didn't explain to you that there is a policy in the boardroom on match days. This is across the board in all professional sports clubs. You need to be wearing a shirt and tie to be allowed access into there. Next time, just come in a suit or a shirt and tie, and it's yours, no problem. But I want you to know that you are welcome here at any point. And, you know, that changed my perspective. But, you see, the fraud in security will always ask the question, who am I? Who am I? You see, Moses was saying here, who am I to represent God? Who am I to do God's work? And often we ask that same question, don't we? Who am I? Who am I to do these things? You see, God could have answered Moses directly. He could have said to him, Moses, this is who you are. You're the only Jew who has direct access to Pharaoh's throne room. Uh, by virtue of being his adopted son. Moses, you're the only Jew who understands how all their politics and, and their war things work. You understand all that stuff because you've been brought up in it. And Moses, you're the only Jew who understands how to navigate all the deserts because you've been doing it for the last 40 years while they've all been in slavery. That's who you are, and that's why I've picked you. But you know, God doesn't say that because actually that's about him putting it back into Moses. It's all about Moses. It's not actually about Moses. You see, the one, you see, the fraud always asks the question, who am I? But the one who is free from insecurity and the imposter syndrome will say, here I am. I am available. What can I do? If Moses was a modern-day figure, I do wonder how, as a pastor, I would respond to him, or maybe a counsellor would respond to his question. What do you mean, who are you? You're this great stand-up guy. You've got all this strength. You can do it, Moses. Just believe in yourself. You're a talented human being. Look deep inside yourself, and you will see that. But you know, this isn't a Disney story. 
This isn't Mufasa speaking to Simba. This is God speaking to Moses. And God doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't say, Moses, I've chosen because you're the most capable person. God doesn't say, look deep inside yourself and you'll find the inner strength. God simply says, certainly I will be with you. I will be with you. In other words, this isn't about you. It's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. You see, uh, although he's primarily and sufficiently equipped him to do this task, God's saying, hang on, Moses. This isn't about you. You're not the one who's going to free the Israelites. That's me. I'm going to do this. (laughs) You're just going to be my ambassador to Pharaoh. God sought to deliver Moses from his fraud insecurity by changing Moses' focal point. Like because he doesn't want us to focus on our past, our fears, our insecurities, or our failures. These can lead us to shrink back and and to stop us in our tracks. But actually, he he wants us to focus on him, to step forward into the new identity that we find in him. You see, when we don't do that, we operate out of insecurity, sorry, imposter level three which is total insecurity, it's all about me. It's all about me. You see, Moses made that mistake. He said, he thought it was all about him. He was going to be the one, the great saviour, the one with the staff in his hand and the one to save everybody. But God's like, no, 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 no. Mo, 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 mo. Calm yourself down, mate. This is not about you, pal. This is about me and what I'm going to do. And you get to come along for the ride too. And you get to participate in it too. You see, I believe this, we need to to trust in his sufficiency and not be bound by our lack of self-sufficiency. When we start operating in our own strength, we can only do so much. When we make it about us, when we we start to make mistakes, you see, our capabilities are limited to our own experience, understanding and knowledge. But when we operate out of a place of it's about him and not about me, we start operating in from his perspective, his knowledge, his understanding. And suddenly, our perspective starts to change. Our understanding starts to change. And I believe not only that, but the atmospheres and the places around us start to change as a result as well. See, the imposter level three will always say, it's about me, my capabilities, <laughs> and, my, and my understanding, my knowledge. But the antidote to that is to change your perspective from us to him. You see, when we live in imposter level three, we can't grow beyond this level. And actually, that means that we become quite stagnant and we stay in the same place. And then the things that we produce are stagnant as well. And actually, if you've ever tasted stagnant water, I don't know if you ever have, maybe you're not as silly as me, um, but I sometimes leave a glass of water next to my bed and it stays there for like maybe five days, that's confession here. I know it's gross, isn't it? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I need a glass of water in the middle of the night and I go to drink it and I'm like, Ugh, what was that? It just doesn't taste nice, it's not refreshing. And you see, that's like us, if we keep producing stagnant things, that's going to be the same thing when someone gets a flavour of it. It's not refreshing. When we look further in the story of Moses, towards uh, chapter 4, the end of chapter 3 to chapter 4. Moses is still having doubts by the beginning of this next chapter. Even though by this point, God has explained to him. He's given him the clear plan. He's given him his clear instructions of what he wants to happen. He's kind of said to him, this is how this is going to go down. This is when I want it to go down. And this is how I want you to do it. And remember, it's not about you. It's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. 
But still, Moses has this imposter syndrome. He still fears fearful. His insecurity levels are rising, and they're getting bigger and bigger. And so God says to Moses this. I love this, because this is such a practical way that God responds to him. Moses says this in the beginning of chapter 4. What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? How many times have you thought that when you felt, oh, I've got to tell my colleagues or my neighbours or something about church, and you're like, well, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? This is God's response. It's so brilliant. A modern-day counsellor might respond like this, or a pastor, Moses, believe in yourself. Come on. I've encouraged you this much. You can do this. They will believe in you. But God doesn't do that. That's not how God works. It's not about you, but it's about what he can do through you. You see, God doesn't say, don't worry, they'll believe you. This is how he responds in such a practical sense. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? I mean, if I was Moses, I'd be like, you obviously know, you've seen me, you've chatted to me here. Like, it's a staff. Come on, mate. So he says, it's a staff. The Lord says, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground. And then it became a snake. And he ran away from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. See, God's response is brilliant. He says that through the power of his miracles, that his people would believe Moses. God promised to miraculously and supernaturally intervene on Moses' behalf to facilitate their belief. What he's saying is, Moses, it's not about you. I have equipped you. I've made it possible for you. But once again, it's not about you. But it's what I'm going to do in and through you. And maybe God's saying this to me and you today. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What have I put in your hand What have I given you? Because I've given you sufficient to be able to overcome these situations that you face. And so I'm going to be drawing it into a close now. And I guess like I've kind of laid out what those levels of the imposter syndrome is, but I haven't asked that question, have I? I haven't answered that question. How do we overcome the imposter syndrome? And you see, I think that we try to overcomplicate it sometimes. I've had the privilege of leading Alpha now here for a couple of years and I love doing that and I love speaking to people and they always kind of, people who are on this journey say, but there's got to be more to this than simply asking Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour. I've got news for you today. If you're not a Christian online or in the room or in one of our locations, let me just tell you this. It is that simple. The beauty of the Christian faith, faith is the simplicity of it. And we as human beings try to put our intelligence, our knowledge, and we try to overcomplicate it. Here's the real key. Here's the thing that I want us to pick up. How do we get over our imposter syndrome and our insecurities when we are faced by them? It's to focus on Jesus. And then to imitate him. Focus on Jesus and then imitate him. See, the imposter syndrome is designed to paralyze you and it will paralyze you because it focuses inward. It focuses on us, our strengths, our weaknesses, our capacity, our capabilities. It tells us that we're not good enough to do these things and we will never be. But the Bible 
it shows us another way. A way to look outward to Jesus and in doing so, finding perfect peace for the past, the present, and the future. You see, the imposter syndrome will paralyze you, but Jesus, he will release you and set you free. The message of the Bible is clear. We are not perfect. Newsflash, I'm not perfect. None of us are. But having been saved by Jesus, who was perfect, we are to focus on him and to imitate him. We are to imitate the one who has set us free. You see, we are created by him, saved by his grace to do his good works. This is God's antidote to the imposter syndrome. It's not complicated. It's not hard. And I think sometimes we just need to grasp the simplicity once more of our faith. It's not about us, but about him who has released us. And you know, when we do this, it means that when we show up, when we show up to the things God has for us, we can show up with confidence in the gifts, the abilities and the skills God has uniquely created in each of us. When we find our footing in Him and His saving affection for us, not the affection of the people that we might try to earn, then we are empowered by His Spirit to do good works for Him. And you know what we do is we need to let go of our knowledge, let go of our understanding, start pressing deeper into His presence and His understanding. And I think that when we do that, the things that we do today will matter more. Whether that be producing food in a restaurant, whether that's typing a difficult email, whether that's taking kids to school, whether that's um, looking after your neighbor's dog and taking them for a walk, whatever that looks like, when we do it in this fashion, focusing on Jesus and about how we can serve his kingdom, all of a sudden it's not about us and we're released from that imposter syndrome. And I want to kind of finish by saying it like this. We focus on him. Through it, we bless others. By it, we worship God himself. And as a result, we are released from the imposter syndrome and we can step forth into the holy place to which God calls us. God has called us into a holy place. Maybe you're in a desert moment right now. Maybe you feel like you're in a barren place and you, you need a touch of God. Then you're in the right place. Not because this is a, 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 an amazing church, although it is, but because God's presence is here amongst us. And maybe you've never made that commitment. Maybe you've been around church forever but never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe this is your first time tuning in with us online and you have never made that step. But I want to encourage you this morning to step away from your imposter syndrome and step into the identity that God has called you to do. And so I want to pray a simple prayer. This is a simple message with a simple answer. It's God's presence that changes stuff when we focus on Him. So I'm going to pray in a moment for you guys. But I wonder as well, once I've prayed, as we lead into this next song, if there's some of us here, like me, who have walked and lived in this imposter syndrome for a number of years and struggled with it. And we're going to sing a song called Holy Ground in a minute. 
And this song is amazing. It talks about change breaking, fears going, about how Jesus changes everything. And a few weeks ago in our Life Central midweek, which is when we come together midweek as a community to worship God, Stuart shared brilliantly about how we can worship God and make altars for Him and how this changes situations. And I want to encourage you that as we go into this next song for you to change the atmospheres of the places that you are placed in, to give back to God those things that are holding you back, the things that you're struggling with, maybe there's stuff that you're fearful of stepping into and God wants to change those situations from ordinary to extraordinary. He wants to do it through His presence. And we need to embrace the simplicity of this. So I'm gonna ask you to stand wherever you are. I'm gonna pray this prayer for, our, for people who wanna accept Jesus for the first time or even make a recommitment. You know, you can make as many commitments to Jesus as you want. And He says, I am committed to you always. So let me just pray this prayer. Father God, God, I pray right now that you would come and fill me with your holy presence. God, I ask right now that you would forgive me for the things that I have done wrong. That God, you would take away the imposter syndrome from me and you would help me step forth into this new identity that you are calling me to, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would release me right now from this imposter syndrome and that you would put upon me a new identity as a follower of Jesus. I ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we sing this song, let us declare these truths over this place, over our lives, that the things that are holding us back are no longer, that they're dissolving as we sing this because Jesus is here. His presence is here to change things. His atmosphere is here to change things. It's His presence. It's not about us, but about what He can do in and through us. So let us sing this morning.